And then, of course, today we are in week number two of our series called Legacy. And we're talking about what we do today will matter tomorrow. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to jump right into the message today. So if you feel comfortable, would you stretch your hands in this direction? Pray for me. I need your prayers. I'm going to stretch my hand in your direction, even through the camera in the back of this room, praying for all of you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are here. Uh, you're the most important one in attendance today. And so we just are honored by your presence. We give you thanks uh, for the opportunity to gather together and worship you. And I'm confident that people have walked into a Go Church campus or they've clicked the online link and they're carrying a, a heaviness or they're walking through a difficulty or they're walking through a particular season of life where they need encouragement and they need hope. And so I pray that today, Father, that you would fill them up. Come on, fill them up with hope until their cup overflows. Does anybody receive that? And I'm trusting you for this word. God, I have prayed over this word. I have fasted over this word. I have prepared for this word today. And now I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to use me to give me clarity of thought and mind and speech and whatever God you would want to say, I'm asking you, Lord, to do just that. And we ask for a powerful day in your presence, a transformational day in your presence. And we know that your word never returns void, but it penetrates right to our heart. So I pray, God, that whatever you would speak, Holy Spirit, that we would assess our lives here and forever and we would make the necessary changes to draw closer to you. So we give you thanks for the work that you're doing and the work that you will do. And we pray all of these things in one name. It's the name Jesus. Come on, somebody say Jesus. And together the church said, amen. Now let's give Jesus the best praise that we've got. Come on, here we go. I don't know, is that the best you've got? Come on, church. Yeah, it's good. All right, I'm gonna encourage you to take some notes today uh, for what it's worth. I got 53 slides on this TV. Come on, somebody. So we're gonna be here for about 95 minutes. It's gonna be a good day. But let me encourage you to take some notes. A lot of scripture today, a lot of scripture today. Uh, there's a sermon note card in the seat uh, back pocket right in front of you or in Germantown in a cup holder near you, meeting in the theater there. I wanna encourage you to take some notes. And we're gonna jump right into week number two of Legacy. And here's, the, uh, here's kind of the, the central theme or the, the central idea of the whole series. And the thought is this. It's that our purpose is not to live here on earth forever. Amen? But our purpose is to leave behind something that does. So the goal isn't to live on earth for eternity. The goal is, though, to leave something behind after we uh, expire from this world, once we transition from this world to the next world, that we leave a legacy that will remain. Now, I want to make this a little bit more personal, and I'm actually going to have you read this with me on the count of three, because if you're looking for purpose in life, if you're looking for a vision statement, you're looking for a mission statement, you're looking for a purpose statement. Come on, I've already done the homework for you. Here it is right here. You ready? On the count of three, let's read this aloud. One, two, three. My purpose is not to live here on earth forever. My purpose is to leave behind something that does. Do you believe that? So the goal is not to live forever and ever and ever here on earth, but the goal is to leave something behind that will forever remain, that there will be fruit of your life that will be remembered forever. There's a beautiful verse. It's a legacy verse in the Old Testament, Psalm 112. Two verses of scripture here, and I want to break these verses down for just a moment. Beginning in verse number five, which by the way, this is kind of the central verse of the series. We looked at this last Sunday as well. And here's what the writer of this particular psalm says. Good will come by a show of hands. How many of you want a little good to come your way? Come on, somebody. Like, that's me, both hands. Come on, right? Good will come to those who are what? Generous and to those who lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Now watch this. So if you want good to come in your life, there is a two-part formula right here that the psalmist gives us. And he says, if you want blessings to come, if you want favor to come, if you want to walk in perpetual favor from God, there must be, watch this, two parts, right giving and right living. Those who are generous, God blesses the generosity of people, and those who conduct their affairs with justice, those who live their life with dignity, with character, 
uh, above reproach. And watch verse number six here. Surely they will never be shaken. Now that's interesting to me that the Bible is telling us here that if you have right giving and right living, you will never be shaken. And I said this to you last week, but it doesn't mean that there won't be a shaking. It just means that you won't be shaken. Come on, church. Can I get an amen? So no matter what storms come, no matter what difficulties come, if you've got right giving and right living, you will never be shaken. And then here's the legacy verse right here. A righteous person will be remembered forever. A righteous person. Good will come to the righteous person and their legacy of right giving and right living will be remembered for the rest of, of eternity. So let me break this down for you again. We looked at this last Sunday. Here's, here's the, the recap. It's right giving, giving to something that will outlive me. And by the way, when we talk about giving, it's, it's not just money. That's, that's part of it because God has blessed us, but it's also time, talents, treasure, ideas, efforts, creativity. What are you giving to that's going to outlive you and then right living so that your life outlives me. Now, I'm going to start today's message, and I'm already giving you the introduction here, but I'm going to start today's message with the question that I ended last Sunday with. I felt like it was such a convicting thought at the end of the message, followed by a couple of verses here, that I wanted to start today with this same thought that we ended with last Sunday. And here's the thought. I hope you write it down. But do you realize that there is more to this life than this life? Let me ask you again, do you know that there's more to this life that you live than just the life that you're living? Let me tell you real quick for a moment. After you breathe your last breath on this earth, you will then enter into eternity. And if you weren't here last Sunday, you need to go back and listen to the message that God gave us last Sunday. Watch this. 61 people raise their hand to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. I think that's a great place to pause and say, man, come on. And we talked about that after you die, that there is another life and there is another world. And that world, that eternal world, is far more real than even this world. There is a place called hell and there is a place called heaven. And if you reject Jesus... If you refuse to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior while you're alive on this earth, then you will forever be separated from God for eternity. God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go to hell. God gives you grace and mercy every single day that you wake up on this earth to get your, watch, to get your life in order, to conduct your affairs with justice. I'm preaching better than you're helping me, and that's all right. But the moment that we breathe our last breath, we will stand face to face before God Almighty. And those who said no to Jesus, that rejected Jesus, hell is your punishment. But for those that said yes to Christ, then you get eternity with God. With God. And watch this. Can I preach about heaven for about two minutes here? If you say yes to God, then when we exit this world, come on now, we get eternity with God in heaven. And watch this. Heaven, heaven's not a fantasy land. Heaven's not a mystical land. Heaven's not nirvana. Come on. Heaven is a prepared place for those who are in Christ Jesus that get to spend eternity with God forever in heaven. Come on now. I'm fired up about this, baby. I know some people have this idea about heaven that we're just going to be cherubs and we float around and we play harps and we sing. That's not heaven, that's hell. Come on, somebody. <laughs> no, but in heaven, there is no sickness. In heaven, there is no pain. In heaven, there is no COVID. Come on, somebody. In heaven, there is no traffic. In heaven, there are no extreme gas prices. Come on now. In heaven, the Bible says, and these, these are verses out of the Bible. The Bible says that in heaven, the streets are made of gold. Come on that the city walls are made of jasper, that the seas are made of pure crystal, that every gate into heaven is made from a single pearl. Come on. I'm talking about heaven where there is no guilt, there is no shame, there is no debt. This is heaven. Heaven, the place we get to spend forever. 
some months ago, I was, I was on the, uh, the old internet, come on somebody, and this meme came up on social media, and I thought, if that ain't funny, I don't know what is. Let me show it to you real quick, watch this. Is this what Jesus meant when he said he goes to prepare a place for us? Come on somebody, if that ain't heaven, I don't wanna go. Come on somebody. Krispy Kreme and Chick-fil-A, I feel the Lord right now, take me to heaven, come on. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, come on. Krispy Kreme and Chick-fil-A. Listen to me, 1 Timothy 6 says it this way, watch. Here, again, I ended with that question. Do you even realize that, that there's more to this life than this life? And here's the verses that I gave you in the closing of last Sunday's message, watch. Command those who are rich in this present world. What does that mean? It means that there is another world. So those who are rich in this present world. Now, the beauty of Go Church is her diversity. And so we've got people from all different walks of life. We have people from different parts of the world and people with different educational experiences. And we've got people on different socioeconomic scales and all of that. But watch, if you are in America, if you're alive today on November the 14th of 2021, or whenever you're watching this, you're watching through a laptop, computer, or an iPhone, if you got a car and you got a house and you're going to Carabas for lunch today, you are rich. We are blessed. And the writer says, command those who are rich in this world, in this world, because there is coming another world, not to be arrogant and to put their hope in money. Right? Don't put your hope in wealth. You can't put your hope in stocks. You can't put your hope in the government. God, I wish you'd somebody say amen to that. Because all of those things are incredibly uncertain. But watch, there is one who never wavers. There is one who never fails. And we can put all of our hope in God. Why? Because God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And watch verse number 18. Watch this. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds to be generous and to be willing to share. Early this morning, I was praying over this particular verse, verse number 18, and I just paused and I said, God, am I these things? Am I, is this my legacy? I don't, I don't know if you appreciate this or not, but whenever I prepare a message, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you, if not more. And here the Bible says that we ought to do good and we ought to be rich in good deeds and, and be generous and be willing to share. And watch this, verse number 19. Again, we ended last Sunday with this, and I just want to pick it right back up. Watch verse number 19. In this way, watch, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. There it is again, an emphasis on there's more to this life than just this life. There, there's more to this world than just this world. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Can I tell you that the life that you're living right now isn't even real life. This isn't even the true life. This is just a moment in the big picture. God giving us the opportunity to get our hearts right with him and then to be generous and rich in good deeds and willing to share but it's this verse right here about laying up treasure for themselves that served me so let me give if you give me a few minutes i'll give you a few thoughts here on on this right here why should we lay up treasure in heaven what does it matter to lay up treasure in heaven i'm gonna give you two or three thoughts here here's the first one one of the reasons you need to lay up treasure in heaven is because heaven not earth is my home are you already okay watch this I'll tell you, I got 53 slides. You're going to be here a while. The more you amen, the faster I preach. I got an amen here. Can I get another amen? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. We're here. 55 minutes. Watch this. This TV is uh, really cool because you can advance it. People ask me all the time, are they just really quick on the slides? Are you actually touching the TV? No, I'm actually touching the TV. Uh, one finger advances it forward. Two fingers advances it backwards. I'm going to go backwards because y'all didn't say amen enough. Watch this. We should lay up treasure in heaven because heaven, not earth, is my home. Come on now. This world is not home. For those that have said yes to Jesus, we get the hope of heaven. And can I tell you, heaven looks sweeter all the time. 
I know there are things we ought to pray about and things that we ought to, you know, just uh, petition God with. I know that there are great challenges and uncertainties and circumstances. But do you know why a believer can remain living in the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You know why? Because our perspective is eternal, not earthly. So when chaos comes, we recognize soon and very soon, we up out of this place. Come on. Bad grammar, good preaching. Can I get an amen? This world ain't our home. No, heaven is our home. Uh, let me show you this. Every time that anybody would come to Jesus, watch. When Jesus was alive on this earth, living out his public ministry, anytime someone would come to Jesus with an earthly problem, he would always answer with an eternal answer. Earthly problem, Jesus would give an eternal response. So if you go to John chapter 14 in your Bible, let me show you what I mean. Now, leading up to John chapter 14, verse number one, here's what's happened. Jesus has just told his disciples that he's not going to be with them very much longer, that he's going to be uh, rejected and sold out and that they were going to arrest him and eventually crucify him on a cross. And so imagine now the disciples have been walking with Jesus Walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, doing life with Jesus, up close to Jesus, witnessing miracles, signs, and wonders, having conversations with Jesus. So you know that their, their relationship with Jesus was close. Uh, they, they, Jesus was their best friend. And now the individual that they're closest to on this earth is saying, I'm not going to be with you any longer or for much longer. And the disciples, they're, they're shook. They can't imagine what's going on, and so they're grieving, and, and they're mourning at the thought of Jesus leaving them. Earthly problem, watch in John chapter 14, a few verses here, how Jesus gives them an eternal answer. And this is important because whatever earthly problem you've got right now, there is an eternal answer for it. Come on, because this world, this world is not our home. Heaven is our home. Are we preaching now? Come on, church, watch. John 14, verse number 1. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I don't know who that's for, but you need to hear that. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And watch what he says. He says, in my Father's house. Come on. There are many rooms. And he says, if that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there? Where's there? I'm going to heaven, to paradise. And what is Jesus doing there? He's preparing a place for you and for me. If that don't get you fired up, nothing will. Come on. And he says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back. Can I tell you that the story is not over? Jesus is coming back. Time is running out for us to conduct our affairs with justice to get our life in order, to make sure that we've got, we've got this understanding that this world is not our home, heaven is our home, and Jesus is coming back. Watch. So that you may also be where I am. And watch what he says in verse number four. He says this, you know the way to the place that I'm going. And if you're sitting here today and you say, I don't know the way to get to that place, there's only one way, and it's the way of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. Every earthly problem that you encounter, have full confidence that this world is not our home. Heaven is our home. Come on and put your hands together. Give Jesus the best praise. Come on. Paul wrote a letter. The apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church of Philippi. Here's what he said in Philippians chapter 3. He says, many people live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says, their destiny. Look at this. Their destiny is destruction. Why? Because their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. And watch. And their mind is on earthly things. I felt a lot of guilt around that this week in preparation for this conversation. A lot of times I find my mind on earthly things more than I find my mind on eternal things. And watch what Paul says. He says, but our our citizenship, for those who know Jesus, for those who are in right standing with, with God, our citizenship is not at whatever address you live at, but our citizenship, our residence is in heaven. Come on, church. 
and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it important for you and I to lay up treasure in heaven? Because heaven, not earth, is my home. Let me give you a couple more thoughts here. Everybody good? If you're good, say I'm good. Come on. You know what? Can we just pause and thank God for heaven? Come on. Just anybody thankful? Oh, they tell me, they tell me all the time, don't ever sing, Pastor JC. You preach, we'll sing. But what's that old song? Beulah land, I'm longing for you. And someday on thee I'll stand. There my home shall be forever. Beulah land. Sweep you, the land. Come on, church. That's heaven. That's what I'm talking about. I heard somebody over here trying to sing harmony. It's hard to sing harmony with somebody that can't sing. Come on now. Here's the next one. Why should we lay up treasure in heaven? Because the line is longer than the dot. Uh, let me tell you, this thought in all transparency came from a fantastic book written by an author, Randy Alcorn. Randy Alcorn, I hope you jot down his name, has written multiple books about heaven. He's the one that took the picture of Krispy Kreme and Chick-fil-A. Come on now, somebody. He went to heaven, saw the sign, took a photo. Thank you, iPhone. No, he's written multiple books on heaven. One of them is uh, Treasures in Paradise. And in that particular book, he writes about how the line is longer than the dot that we've got to get our minds off of the temporary things of this world and recognize that however long you live here, uh, and I hate to even throw out ages, but 80, 90, 100, 110 years, whatever, however long that God gives you here is minimal. It's just a blur on the big picture of eternity. I, I got... I, listen, I, I spent a little time in graphic design work in college and in early days of ministry. So I, I put together, it took me a while to put this whole chart together of the reality of the line being longer than the dot. I hope you appreciate the creativity of this here. It just takes a while to, to really get down to the details of all of this. But can we, can we actually make this slide a little bigger? I'd love for everybody online to really get an understanding of this picture here, how the line is longer than the dot. Unbelievable graphic work. Come on, somebody. I don't feel like you appreciated the amount of time that went into that. You are a dot. I am a dot. And it amazes me how much time we spend being concerned about the dot of life. Where we invest our time, our talents, our treasure, our resources, our ideas, our hopes, our dreams, we spend almost all of our time in the dot. And again, I think, uh, respectfully, if you live to be a hundred years of age, that is a wow life. I tell uh, people all the time, I'll live as long as God wants me to live, and as long as I'm in my right mind, keep me here to do the work of the Lord. But when my time is up, whenever my time is up, Lord, I don't want to be here any longer than God has an assignment for me to be here. Does that make sense? Because I'm trying to have this eternal perspective that every day I wake up is a grace gift from God, right? And I'm going to use everything that God gives me to make a difference, not for me. And I'm not batting a thousand here. There's areas in my life I got to improve on. But God doesn't give me the days, the grace days on this earth so that I can obtain all of the stuff and do nothing with it but so that I can make a difference in this world and invest into, watch, invest into a place and a time that will be where I spend most of my time. So let me say it to you like this. You are living in the dot, but you shouldn't live for the dot. Now that's a good place to say amen. You're living in this little tiny speck, right? We all are. And thank God that he woke us up today. Thank you, Jesus. Because it's a reminder that you're alive on purpose for purpose. But although we're living in the dot, we shouldn't live for the dot. Because the line is longer than the dot. And let me show you what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter number 7. 
What's going to happen here in Matthew 7, you're going to see a couple of things. Uh, I don't know how many of you are into uh, investments, retirements, stocks, portfolios, all of that. But I want you to see what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 7. He is giving us some unbelievable uh, insider trading tips. What you're about to see here in Matthew chapter 7, a couple of verses, beginning in verse number 19, is Jesus saying that while you're working on your retirement portfolio, which is important, that's good, you should really be considering investing into something that doesn't just give you an ROI, a return on your investment, but you're investing into something that gives you an EROI, an eternal return on your investment. Does that make sense? So many of us are consumed about hopefully retiring at 65 or 67 or whatever that age desire is, right? But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, okay, there's a place for all of that, but I want you to really consider that this life is just a little dot. So you can enjoy all of the luxuries of retirement. You're going to work hard for 65, 70 years, and then you may get 25, 30 years of that retirement, that return on that investment. But Jesus says, imagine, 25, 30 years compared to 25 or 30 million years. So how much are we investing into an eternal return on the investment? If any of this makes sense, can I get an amen? Come on. Watch what he says, Matthew 7. He says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Uh-oh. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves, what, break in and steal. Right now, what is he saying? He's like, get your head out of the dot. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather store up for yourselves treasures in, somebody shout heaven, Amen. where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. The line is longer than the dot. You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe some of you own a little bit of stock in a company or certain companies. Uh, I've, I've got a little bit of investments in stocks, one in particular that you know, I find myself watching almost every single day. Every day I'm getting online, I'm checking, you know, how's that particular stock, you know, doing? And there's been times that it's almost become all-consuming and a bit addictive. And I want you to see this final verse, verse number 21, because this just brings a ton of conviction. And I want you to hear me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan for your future while you're here on this earth. What I am saying is you need to consider that the line is longer than the dot. Does that make sense? Watch verse 21. Watch this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. On the count of three, I'd love everybody in Germantown, even if you're watching online, and of course everybody in this room. Let's read this verse together on the count of three. One, two, three. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You want to know where your heart is? I'm not, I'm not preaching down at you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm just being honest with you. You want to know where your heart is? Print off last month's bank statement. Print it off. Go through it line by line. See where you put your treasure. See where you put your money. See where you made those investments. Because the Bible, JC doesn't say, the JC says, come on somebody. Jesus Christ says that wherever that treasure is, there your heart will be found. Print off the bank statement and go through it. This is why, and I'm not telling you this out of a place of arrogance or because I feel like I... I need you to applaud us. As a matter of fact, this has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Kimberly and I growing in our walk with Christ, hopefully continuing to mature in our walk with Christ. Kimberly's coming to the second gathering today, so she's not here to offend herself, but she's got a lot of growing up to do. Come on, somebody. So hopefully we'll both mature. But watch this. This is why we are committed to giving a tithe of our income through the ministry of Go Church. Because I, I want our legacy to be focused on the line rather than the dot. Now, we steward our money well. We'll talk more about stewardship in a moment. But we are unashamedly, unapologetically committed to giving God what is rightfully his through the tithe. And even above and beyond that. Last Sunday, if you missed, go back and listen or watch. 
I shared with you the giving ladder, starting on the first rung of the ladder just by trusting God with the first step to give, climbing the giving ladder all the way to the top rung, which is extravagant giving, like above and beyond what the tithe is called. And it's always comical to me because there will be certain individuals who they don't know the benefits of giving, tithing, and, and investing into the, the line rather than the dot that will say, you know, well, I can't believe that the church would want 10%. Listen, it's not about the church. It's not, at least go church. I say this often. It's not about us wanting anything from you. It's that God has something for you. And someone told me some months back, they were like, you know, the tithe, that's, that's Old Testament. 10% tithe, that's Old Testament. I was like, you know what? You're right. In the New Testament, Jesus says, give everything away. <laughs> How many of you want to take the 10% deal? <laughs> so go back and see where, where are you investing? And again, this, goes, this conversation goes beyond just money. But this is where my heart is right here. I'm going to show you in these few areas. This is where our heart is as a family. This is where our heart is as a church. These areas are things that are going to outlive me. These investing into these areas. Can I be honest and transparent? Have there been times I've thought, man, if I could take X amount of dollars and move it here and invest in like my retirement, we'd be well ahead of where I think we should be. Or, you know, maybe, maybe we'd be better off later. No, 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 no. Watch. You invest into the line. This is how you leave a legacy. This is how lives will be forever changed. I want to tell you something, but I'm going to pause because I want to get ahead of my notes. But our heart is through local outreach. Wherever, wherever there is a go church, homelessness and hunger should never exist. You ought to give me a better amen than that. <laughs> Missions work, stateside, domestically and internationally. Investing into the next generation, investing into ministry projects. All of this is incredibly important. So as you survey why you should lay up treasure in heaven, because heaven, not earth, is your home. And because the line is longer than the dot. This is why. So in the days and weeks to come, here, here's, here's my prayer for you. And then I'm going to have you pray a prayer back to God. My prayer is that you become overly convicted through the Holy Spirit about where you're investing your time, your talent, and your treasure. And then the prayer that I want you to pray back to God. All right, write this down. Come on, take out your smartphone. Get something to write this down. Here's the prayer. Search me, God. And know my heart. Reveal if there's any wicked way in me. That's the prayer. Search me. Know me. Reveal to me. That will change not just the game here on this earth, but it will change the legacy that you leave and the eternal life that you live. This is a great place to pause. Can we just give Jesus the best praise? Come on, church. I love it. Okay, you got 12 more minutes? Okay, let me show you a parable. I, I like to give you practical thoughts and uh, practical next steps. There's this parable here. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. It's the very last line of verse number 21 that, who. I think we'll really tie all of this together. Go with me in the New Testament to the Gospel of Luke, starting in chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 16. Watch. We just came out of the At The Movie series here at Go Church. Did you all love At The Movies? Come on, I love it. So we took a modern day movies and pulled biblical truth and spiritual lessons and practical application from these movies. And we did that because we believe that movies are like modern day parables. So when Jesus was alive, he'd tell a parable it's just a short story to illustrate a spiritual lesson. And so this is a story. It's just a, a made-up story that Jesus tells to drive home a spiritual truth. And watch the story that he tells. He says, the ground of a certain, somebody say rich man, yielded an abundant harvest. So there's this guy, and I want you to notice this. He was already rich, and he got even richer. And I don't know who this is for, but I really want you to hear this. Getting more money and having more stuff will never fix your problems. That's not my notes, but I'm letting the Holy Spirit just use me right here. There's a great theologian that once said, more money, more problems. Come on, somebody. Just going to throw that out there. More money doesn't fix problems. And for those that would say, well, if I had more money, 
I would be more generous. Not true. The Bible said, as a matter of fact, you may never get more money until you learn to be generous first. Does that make sense? Okay, so there is a rich man, and he gets even richer. And watch, watch his thoughts here. He thought to himself, what should I do with all my wealth? What should I do with all of my, what? And I emphasize these two words, and I highlighted them in yellow. My crops. Because that's the mindset of many of us. It's, this is my stuff, right? I worked for it all, so it's mine. It's my, my car, my house, my home, my money, my retirement, my gifts, my talents, my abilities. So he says, what am I, I going to do? Because I already had so much stuff. Now there was an abundant return. I've got even more stuff. So I've got no place to, to put all my stuff. That sounds like some of you in your garage. Come on now, this is the truth. Verse number 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. Imagine this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build even bigger barns and that's where I'll store my surplus. Are you tracking with me? If you're there, say I'm there. And I'll say to myself, watch this, verse number 19. You have plenty of grain laid up for how many years? Many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Again, Jesus is telling this parable. You got a rich man, gets even richer, says, I'm going to tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns so that I can store up all of my surplus, all of my wealth. And I'll have this for many years and I can take life easy and I can eat and I can drink, and I can be merry. But watch what God said to him. God says this in verse 20. You fool. The New Testament is written in the Greek language. The Greek word here, the emphasis of fool in the Greek is fool. Come on, somebody. It's just, it's just fool. You moron. You blind person in the faith. He says, this, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. So everything that you've got, all of your stuff, tonight this life ends. I'm not trying to be manipulative here in any way, but James says that your life is like a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Even if God graced you with 100 years, that is, it's gone, it's fast. And he says, tonight your life is going to be demanded from you. And watch what the question is. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? You know what he's asking? Where's your legacy? Right giving, right living? He says, no, you've had an earthly perspective and you've just... Mine, 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 like the seagulls on Nemo. Come on, parents. Come on, right? Mine, mine, I'll collect, I'll get, I'll gain, I'll build, I'll hold, I'll keep. And then when it's all over, who gets all the things that you prepared for yourself? And then, and then Jesus says this, and now this is how it's applicable to, to you and I today. He says, this is how, this very story is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves. And here's the line, Jesus, but is not rich toward God. Are you rich toward God? It's rhetorical, please. Let me, let me give you some thoughts here. You got just about five, six minutes and I'll pray for you. But here's the thought. How then can I be rich toward God? God, write these few thoughts down. You ready? The first one is this. You want to be rich? Well, let me ask you this. Does anybody want to be rich toward God? That's my heart. And maybe you're not sure. Maybe you didn't say yes because you're wrestling with this message today. I'm just, again, reiterating to you that the line is longer than the dot. And what you invest in for eternity will be far greater than what you invest here on this earth. Steward your finances well. Watch over your money, make proper investments, but don't do it so that you can build yourself bigger barns. Don't do it so that you can just, for many years, eat, drink, be merry, take life easy. Can I tell you something? And this is gonna wreck, this is gonna wreck me too, but God didn't create us to give us an easy life. 
God created us to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Oh, Jesus. Instead of getting up every day and going to work to get a paycheck, what if you understood that the job that you have, you could leverage that, could make a difference for the kingdom of God? Change your perspective here. So if you want to be rich toward God, here's a few ways. You have to give your whole heart to God. Listen to me. Write this down. It's not on the TV, but write this down. God wants your heart. He doesn't want your stuff. He wants your heart. And Jesus said this in Matthew. He said what? Love the Lord your God with all your, with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. I'm, listen to me. How are you using your time, talent, and treasure? What does that look like for you? You'll know that if you're giving your whole heart, then there's no complaint with whatever the request is from God to do next. Let me say it to you like this, and I hope you write this down or, or take a photo of the TV. If you give your whole heart to God, any other type of giving will come easy. I remember in August, September-ish of 2013, when my wife and I and Lakeland was the only child we had at that time, we're living here on the south side of Atlanta, and we were the youth pastors of this church, and God called us to go and to start a work in Germantown, Maryland, to begin a life-giving, Bible-teaching, spirit-filled church right there in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Of course, because we're human, there was conversations and and questions and due diligence and all of that. But can I tell you that that decision to give of ourselves, to go and to move, where there was no job, there was no income, we were moving to a place where we only had one friend that we actually knew. You know why it came easy? Because long before God asked us to make that type of sacrifice, we had given Jesus our whole heart. And when I got saved, I said, God, I'm all in with you. Not part way, not halfway, but all the way. I'm in with you. And whatever you ask of me, here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. So once you give your heart to God, you give your all to God. Anything else that he asks of you will come naturally and easy. Does that make sense? Come on, church. How can you be rich towards God? you got to give your whole heart to God. So when you hear the church talk about giving, if your whole heart is toward God, you're not frustrated. When you hear the, ter- uh, the church talk about serving, using your gifts, if your whole heart is toward God, you don't get frustrated. You recognize, you know what, that's the easy part because I've given my all to Jesus, all to Jesus. How can I be rich toward God? Watch this, be a steward, not an owner. I hear people talk about this all the time. Let's go back to the parable of the rich guy. My wealth, my surplus my retirement my money really this is a very elementary definition of what a steward is according to scripture but if you are in Christ Jesus you recognize that you are more of a manager with God's blessings on your life than you are an owner everything that you've got is because of God's favor on your life. I wish somebody would give me a good amen and give Jesus the best praise for that. Everything, everything that God has blessed you with is because of God's favor. But you don't own it. It's not yours. The three places in the Bible here uh, that I think will hit that or drive that thought home a little bit deeper. The earth is the Lord's. And what? Everything everything in it the entire world and all who live in it everything belongs to the lord james 1 17 every single good and perfect gift comes from where above coming down from the father i hope this message is making sense to your heart like god put it in mind you don't own your stuff god's blessed you with the things that you have not so that you can hold on to it for yourself, but so that you can do good, be generous, lend freely, conduct your affairs with justice. Watch. So for the person that says, no, I work hard. I went to school. I got the degree. I got the education. 
I did the project or I got the deal that gave me the promotion. I deserve the increase. It was all me. Watch what Deuteronomy chapter 8 says to counter that. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Your hands might be on the plow, but it was God who gave you the hands. Come on, church. It might have been your idea to seal the deal, but it was God that gave you the wisdom and the understanding. He gives you the ability. It is God. So here's a question. Watch this. And I, I want you to jot this down. Come on, this is some homework. Lord, what do you want me to do with it all? What do you want me to do with it? It's yours. Uh, what, what do you want me to do with my house? I hope that you use your house for more than just sleeping in it. He's given you a home for ministry. You may think that you got a good deal on that home, but God puts you in that neighborhood, on that road, in that cul-de-sac with those neighbors for ministry. So the neighbors that you're frustrated at continuously, maybe God put you there not to complain about them, but to go rake their leaves this fall. Y'all not gonna help me, that's all right. What am I gonna go do with my car? With my pool? What am I gonna do with my job? And my resources? What am I gonna do with this idea? Lakeland and I, well my whole family, we were caught up in some shark tank. Come on somebody. God gives you the ideas and God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. What do you want me to do with my time, my talents, my treasure? That thought changes. The answer to that thought changes when you've given your whole heart to God. Does that make sense? I want to give you, I want to give you one thing to pray about. We talked about it last, last week. And by the way, this, this message has, again, nothing to do with getting money from you, but I think you'll appreciate this, even for those of you that are unsure about the discipline of generosity. As you pray, here's a thought right here. On Sunday, September the 5th, or December the 5th, rather, Sunday, December the 5th, we'll do what we call our annual legacy offering. This is the only special offering that we do at Go Church. Uh, every Sunday, you have an opportunity to give, but we do one offering every year. And here's what makes this particular offering so unique. When you give through the ministry of Go Church, we give every single dollar that's collected. So watch. We ask 100% of you to participate. From Go Kids to Go Youth to Go Grown Ups. Come on, somebody. Everybody's giving something because we're going to give 100% of it away. And you're giving through Go Church to those lanes that we talked about a moment ago. Local outreach, national missions, world missions, next generation, and ministry projects. So this is the prayer request here is, God, what do you want me to do with it? It's never about the amount of money that you give. I'm just asking you about the amount of obedience. What would God have you to give? 100% participation, we'll give all of it away. And I'm believing God, listen to me, for hundreds of thousands of dollars so that we can give it all away to make a difference, not just for lives here on this earth, but for eternity to come. Come on and give God the best praise, come on, all right? Second Corinthians 9, watch this. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think this over. That's why I'm giving you right out a month here to pray through this. Make up your own mind what you'll give. This will protect you against, watch, Sob stories, I'm not going to try to manipulate you with sob stories. I'm certainly not going to do any arm twisting. I just want you to pray. That's it. God, what do you want us to do with it? Be obedient to God and watch this because God loves, one translation says it this way, God loves a cheerful giver. Write this final thought down and then I'll close, close with this. I will never miss what I invest in eternity you'll never miss it every head bowed every eye closed let me pray for you thank you Jesus for your blessings thank you Father for your favor God I pray that this message today resonated in hearts and minds of those that were willing to give us the time to share 
I don't want to walk off this platform and feel like I left anything out. So I want to pause here for a moment and just make sure, Holy Spirit, that everything that you would want me to say today has been shared in this moment now and that what has been spoken would be sealed in the hearts of those that are listening. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Nobody's looking, it's just me and your campus pastors here, but I just don't want you to leave here today if you've not made your heart right with God, you've not made your life right with God. If we're talking, all of, all of this hinges upon you giving your whole heart to Jesus. And when you do that, listen to me, church, he will bless you exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And I'm not talking about just blessings on earth, but I'm talking about eternal rewards. So if you're here today, nobody's looking, but you just say, you know what, I've never asked God into my heart or I've kind of gotten away, I've drifted away from a relationship with Jesus, but I want to make sure that my name is written in that book of life, and I want God to use my life to do extraordinary things for people and for eternity. If that's you, would you just put your hand up real quick? I'll pray a simple prayer, and then I'll close. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. Young man, I see your hand all the way, my left, your right. Thank you for your hand. Anybody else? Thank you all the way in the back. Ma'am, near the sound booth there, thank you. Germantown as well, I know hands are going up there. So Father, for every hand that was raised today, as a matter of fact, can we all pray this prayer? Father God, come into my heart. Make me a new person. Forgive me of my sin and change my destiny. I wanna be more like you and I wanna be less like me. So change my thinking and let me start to see everything through an eternal lens. I give you my heart, I give you my life, and now you can use me, Jesus. In your precious name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's give Jesus Christ the highest praise. Come on, 